Welcome to Seekers and Scholars, a podcast from the Mary Baker Eddy Library in Boston and online at mbelibrary.org. I'm Jonathan Eder, your host. In November of 2019, I attended the annual conference of the American Academy of Religion and Society of Biblical Literature, otherwise known as AARSBL. It's a large gathering, attracting about 10,000 attendees. One offering that was of particular interest involved the AARSBL's Women's Caucus and its 1,000 Women in Religion Wikipedia Edit-a-thon workshop. On the top of the webpage for the event was a header image of a partially completed jigsaw puzzle on the theme of women's leadership in religion. On one of the pieces was an image I immediately recognized, that of Mary Baker Eddy. I signed up and was very glad I did. So, it is my great pleasure to have with me two of the leaders of the Women's Caucus to talk about their work and their endeavors to bring about better and greater recognition of women's contributions in religion and in the study of religion in the brave new world of Wikipedia. With us is Dr. Elizabeth Ursick. She is a professor of religious studies at Mesa Community College in Phoenix, Arizona. She's also adjunct faculty at the California Institute of Integral Studies, teaching women and world religions for the Graduate Women's Spirituality Program. And she is co-chair of the Women's Task Force for the Parliament of World Religions, which is described as the largest and most comprehensive interfaith organization in the world. The Parliament of World Religions has been a major participant and supportive partner in the 1000 Women in Religion Project. So welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you, Jonathan. It's wonderful to be here. It's great to have you with us. And also with us is Dr. Colleen Hartung. She is developer and coordinator of the Ministry for Families and Children at Holy Wisdom Monastery in Madison, Wisconsin. She is chair of the Thousand Women in Religion Project. Welcome, Colleen. Thanks for asking me to be here. I'm so glad you accepted. Elizabeth, just to get us started, what is the Women's Caucus of the American Academy of Religion and Society of Biblical Literature, and what drew you to be part of it? Well, Jonathan, this is really the largest conference in the world, by far, about the scholarly study of religion. The American Academy of Religion and the Society of Biblical Literature together are the two largest academic organizations in the world for professors and scholars of religion. It includes both religious studies and theology, and the two organizations have an emphasis on one and the other. So my interest in this organization came as I was going through my own graduate studies and beginning my own path as a scholar of religion. People from all over the world come because if they have one conference to go to and have specialists all around the world that are their colleagues, this is where they will get to meet. So it's very exciting. It's like going to the majors. Mm. As a consequence, we can only meet in some of the largest conference centers in the United States. And for that reason, Boston is actually one of them. So the Women's Caucus of the American Academy of Religion and Society of Biblical Literature was the very first organization of cohort of women in this field. So in 1971, the women asked if they could meet as a caucus, and that is how the Women's Caucus got started. There was a lot of support from the AAR to do this. 
there definitely was an openness. Just as culture was changing, there was support at the academic level to include women's voices in the academic conversation. A couple years later, a formal women and religion unit was started within the formal AAR structure. And with that came a question, what is the purpose of the caucus? We could have migrated into this, and the group decided that perhaps it would be better to be just one step removed because of two reasons. The first is that we are a caucus for scholars in both the Academy of Religion and the Society of Biblical Literature. If we were to affiliate with just one side, that would restrict who we could serve. And secondly, from the very beginning, because of the women's rights movement that helped start this, there was a big dedication to wanting to advocate, not just our own research, but to advocate for women in the profession. And to do that, perhaps being in a more informal setting would allow us to do things. And I would say the 1,000 Women in Religion Project very much keeps to that mission. So that's how it started. I've been co-chair now for about the last six years, and it is the most marvelous group of people. It's women and men who are studying women religion, studying gender and religion, and also wanting to support and mentor others in the field. Oh, that's great. So Colleen, what is the 1000 Women in Religion Project and how does it relate to the Women's Caucus? The project as a whole, it's an initiative of the Women's Caucus and it was created to help us address the gender imbalance in the general production of knowledge in religion, in media, in trade books, just that general imbalance. And so with the project, what we've tried to do is we've tried to focus on how those secondary sources then make their way into tertiary sources like Wikipedia, and that whole bias then migrates into a platform like Wikipedia, which is a very big broad, powerful platform. So what we've decided to do with the project is to work to create and update and improve Wikipedia articles that pertain to the lives of cis and transgendered women who are notable as scholars, as activists, and as practitioners in the world's religious and spiritual and wisdom traditions. So we really try to focus on women who have been founders of religion, who are practitioners in religions or teachers or resistors and researchers of the world's wisdom and religious traditions. But as well, we're also trying to expand or break that model a little bit. We're also trying to look at the way that women are coalition builders and collaborators and mentors and facilitators of activist movements. So, and emphasize that as part of their notable character, not just the traditional aspects of notability that we think of when we think of women or men as founders or larger than life leaders of organizations. So basically that's what we're focused on. Well, it's a tremendous focus. And what you're saying is really uh, encouraging us to think of what leadership 
in religion means, that to expand the definition, to be more thoughtful, to be more penetrating and understanding how religion is supported and advanced in people's, in people's lives. Yep. All of that is so relevant to us at the Mary Baker Eddy Library. We've been interested not only in Mary Baker Eddy's story, but in profiling the stories of other women through an ever-expanding series of articles on our website called Women of History. So I'm curious, how does the 1,000 Women in Religion Project reflect other witnesses to the need to change how we view and record the contribution and leadership of women in our world? The way that this project even came into being and came across my radar was I had a book called Women, Ritual, and Power, Placing Female Imagery of God in Christian Worship. It debuted at the National Women's Studies Conference in 2014, and I was being invited as the author. In the exhibition hall, the Wikipedia Foundation had an exhibition booth, and they were saying that they were looking for more diversity in terms of Wikipedia editors because, as the world's largest encyclopedia around the world and in all these different languages that it could easily be translated, the truth is that it was mostly men and mostly white men from first world countries who were doing the entries. And so with that, I became very interested in doing something with Wikipedia. They have an educational project which actually works with classes, and I did that project but as you mentioned earlier, a lot of my teaching is here at the community college in Phoenix. And freshmen and sophomores that are just beginning perhaps need a little bit more development before they could write a Wikipedia biography. With that, our Women's Caucus started brainstorming. And what we discovered is that there was a project called Women in Red. Bias exists across really all professions. Mm. And it was women in science who said, we need to put the women who are not being acknowledged in science into Wikipedia. A really good example is the article about a woman named Donna Strickland. Donna Strickland received the Nobel Prize for Physics on October 2nd, 2018. She actually didn't have an article on Wikipedia till that evening. And even more unfortunately, she did have several people submit articles about her to Wikipedia the previous spring, both of which were rejected. And Wikipedia isn't biased in a way that is different from the biases that we have in the general culture and society. It's just very reflective of those biases. It's like 17 or 18 percent of biographies in Wikipedia are about women. So there's the first bias. Mm -hmm. That's why Wikipedia was coming to it. When you get at the editor level, it's even more restrictive. The scientific women started, and women in red means in Wikipedia, before a page can be public, it is a red page. And when an editor approves it, it becomes a blue page that the public can see. So that is how the term women in red started. It started in science and very quickly many professions jumped into this. And what I noticed is no one was doing women in religion. The 1,000 women in religion was a way to quickly say that we want to actually put more names out there, more accomplishments recognized. And we, as people that work in the academy, were learning how to do what you might call academic activism. Hmm. 
And academic activism is using what we do, which is knowledge production and refinement and bringing it to the world stage. So Colleen, what is involved and what are the challenges in bringing women in religion to the world stage of Wikipedia? A couple of the real difficulties that we face and that we try to address in the 1000 Women in Religion Project. The fact that when we go to write about women or even to put a woman on our 1000 Women in Religion list, the sources for women in the world are much more limited than they are for men. So if you want to write a biography in general or a biography for Wikipedia, the sources that you have available to create this biography are less. And then another problem is the fact that Wikipedia and any kind of technology platform in general is much more populated by men with a technological bent. And women in general are less apt to engage on those platforms with the kind of culture that has come to surround those technological platforms. So part of the job we have is to train people how to use the technology. And then not only to learn how to use the technology, but how to have the fortitude to engage in the conversations, the actual conversations that take place on these platforms to defend the inclusion of women biographies on the platform. So Colleen, how is a Wikipedia article born? And have you birthed a Wikipedia article? Yes, I have. (laughs) So this is how it started for me. So Elizabeth asked me to chair the 1000 Women in Religion Project when the 2018 Parliament of World Religions was being organized. And so with Elizabeth and some other women that we gathered, we put the project together. And at the birth of that project, we very naively named the project 1000 Women in Religion with the goal of getting 1000 new articles on Wikipedia. And we thought we could do that by the parliament. We started in January, the parliament was in November. That thought was born of our ignorance and our naivete. At this point, I don't know how many articles we have created, but it's probably 100 or 150. But anyway, it takes a long time to write an article. And it takes a long time to learn the ins and outs of Wikipedia. The first thing I did was to sit down and just read articles about women on Wikipedia. What are the general elements that people are looking for, for articles that are already accepted on Wikipedia? They all have a really great lead paragraph that states very clearly why this woman is notable. And then they have a section about the early life of the person. And they might have a section about the education of the person. And then they go on and talk about the things that that person achieved during their life. And then the end is a lot of good work on your sourcing. So I could see that that was how they were put together and sat down to write um, several articles and they got accepted. Little did I know that it was a bit of a fluke and a miracle that they got accepted. That's so interesting, Colleen. Why do you see it that way? Why do you see that it was so unusual that 
your first efforts at a biography of a woman in religion got accepted and then published on Wikipedia? Because, by happenstance, the first woman that I decided to write about was a figure that had already passed away. So probably six months into the project, we met Rosie Stevenson Goodnight, who is the head of the Women in Red Project on Wikipedia, a big project that is working on gender imbalance on Wikipedia. And she said that it is much easier to get women who have already passed away accepted as articles on Wikipedia, particularly when you're writing your first article. And just by accident, I had picked a woman who was dead. I had gone on and written two other articles in that short period of time about women who were living, and those got accepted because I was following that pattern that I described earlier. But also, I'd already had an article accepted. And once you've had an article accepted onto Wikipedia, it's much easier to get another article accepted. You've sort of proven yourself. And by the time I had the third article accepted, then people aren't watching you as closely. Hmm. How does one get into a position to be one of those watchers on Wikipedia, uh, if you will? So when you sign up to be on Wikipedia, you are an editor and you're called a Wikipedian. And anybody can do that. That's open to anybody to do. You just go to Wikipedia's main page and there is a button on their main page for you to sign up as an editor. So as you begin editing, you learn about the system and some people learn very quickly It becomes their passion to become a person who reviews articles. And there really isn't an application process to any of that. It's just learn as you do. So if that was my passion of becoming a gatekeeper on Wikipedia, every time an article on a woman in academia gets submitted on Wikipedia, I would go to that article and I would review that article and accept or reject it for Wikipedia. So these different aspects of Wikipedia become a passion project, and that's how articles get approved. I actually haven't gone into that aspect of it at all, but it's available to me if I was interested in that. Do you have any idea of who these passionate watchdogs of Wikipedia are? I do, I do, actually. (laughs) I I went to the Wiki conference last Uh year. Actually, I think it was in Boston. And just before I went to the conference, I had submitted an article about this woman um, who was in academia. And the article got accepted, but it got tagged with a tag that said, it sounds too much like a newspaper article. So I get to the Wikipedia conference with my friend, Clifford. I meet Clifford there. And Clifford's uh, very much into the technical aspects of Wikipedia and knows people who are also interested in the technical aspects. And I said, Clifford, I got this tag on my article. So he just very quickly looks my article up and he says, oh yeah, I know that guy and he's here at the conference. Let's go talk to him about why he put that tag on your article. And I thought, oh God, I don't really want to do that. But we went and talked to him and he was a super nice guy and a retired librarian, academic librarian, actually. And that is his passion. And he follows Wikipedia guidelines for people in academia. And he looks at every article that comes through from a person in academia and reviews it. 
which is a lot. Yeah. Um, anyways, it was interesting to meet that person because he's just representative of many people on Wikipedia who take on that role. Mm-hmm. So when you actually educate one of these gatekeepers or change the standards of what's considered notable or just by sheer volume, like what we're hoping to do, bring more and more people to this, more and more women, we literally can change what we know as our collective intelligence about the contribution of women to culture and the world. So I also wanted to sort of point out with the Parliament of World Religions, when we realized that we weren't going to get a thousand articles written by the Parliament, is the importance of the list. So what we did achieve at the Parliament of World Religions is we created a list of the women who had participated in the 2015 and the 2018 Parliament of World Religions. And these were women from all over the world, from all the traditions that make up the world's religions and spiritual traditions. And these were women who had come and presented at the Parliament So they had been lecturers at the Parliament of World Religions. So we put that list together. It was like 1,200, I believe. So we go home. That is our major accomplishment with the Parliament of World Religions and also launching the project. We get home after the Parliament and we start to try to write about these women. And what we discover is that because so many of these women come from underserved and undercovered areas of the world, that there was very little in terms of secondary research on these women. So that our ability to write articles about them in Wikipedia was severely handicapped by that. So we learned very quickly the importance of secondary sources and the limitations that puts on writing about women. So we met with the administrative head of ATLA, which is the American Theological Library Association. That was their original title. Now they're just ATLA. Anyway, we met with her. And what she was able to do for us is to go through their large database of articles about women in religion and articles written by women in religion and put together a list for us of women who had at least five hits in their database. So these were women that were well covered in the media. And in Wikipedia, notability is defined by how much you're covered in media. So that was a perfect sort of database for us. So they came up with a list of people, and that list was 1,600 or so. That list was much easier for us to begin writing about, but even that was difficult. So then time progressed. And we're working with uh, Rosie Stevenson Goodnight from Women in Red. And she started to educate us about the importance of the list. That even if we can't get an article about every single one of those women written for Wikipedia, they are recorded on Wikipedia as a woman worthy of note. And as time goes by and more is written about those women, then they are there and we can begin to write about them. So that's an important part of the project, which takes us to our Wikidata project. Wikidata is a large database that enables us to have a place where we record data points. It has birth date, death date, 
uh, country of origin, if they're published, it has things like ISBN number or Library of Congress numbers. And so we started working with that because for Wikidata, the criteria is one reliable source. The criteria Mm -hmm. for Wikipedia is two reliable sources. Mm -hmm. So we could take these women from the original Parliament of World Religions list. And if we had one reliable source about them, we could begin to get them onto Wikidata, which put them on our official Wikipedia list. And what's great about Wikidata is that we can go to the 1,000 Women in Religion list. We can click on a woman in red on the list, which means she doesn't have an article on Wikipedia, and it will take us to their Wikidata page. And on their Wikidata page, we'll have all those beginning points of data, and there will also be at least one reliable source. It's a great place to begin your research. Yeah, and as I understand it, it is a collaborative process because... If one is too close, either in terms of the relationship of oneself or one's organization to the subject of an article, that can be problematic. You need to have other more neutral writers and editors to be involved in in the page for it to be seen as credible. That's correct. We've had many people contact us who rightfully consider themselves to be notable enough to be on Wikipedia. And they contact us about, how do I get myself on Wikipedia? because they've tried writing their own article on Wikipedia, which you cannot do. That is a major value on Wikipedia that you cannot write about yourself. You also can't write about someone that's part of your organization. So say for instance, a university. A university has all of these professors um, that they employ, and it would be much to their advantage for them all to be covered on Wikipedia. Well the university cannot have a section in their employment that writes articles on Wikipedia. That's a conflict of interest. But if someone were interested um, in a particular figure that was of importance to them, but probably they couldn't write the article because they were too closely associated with that person, but they could get that person into the pipeline by getting them on that list. Yes. And then with the hope that if they profile that person in such a way that's of interest and compelling that um, somebody else could pick that up who would be in a position to write that article and have it published. Yeah, that's one of the things about Wikipedia articles. When you write a new Wikipedia article, you put your work up there and it's not something that you own. It is now up there for the world to read, but also for all Wikipedians to edit. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you put your article up there, almost immediately, someone is coming along and improving the article. I would also like to add that for as committed as we are to Wikipedia for getting certain information out, encyclopedias are tertiary sources, meaning that they can only bring from acknowledge secondary sources that are considered authoritative. So that is another reason why when people say, well, Wikipedia is questionable, it really is a place that you show up to to get an overview of something, get the footnotes, go to those sources and really learn, which is also wonderful for the 1000 Women in Religion Project because, for example, If someone comes from Christian science and she has her own biography page, 
the footnote could be going deep into the archives of your library. Mm -hmm. And it's only going to educate everybody better. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth and Colleen, and really to the Women's Caucus as a whole. Not only have you improved my understanding of the contributions of women as leaders in religion, you've demystified a lot of Wikipedia for me. And that, that has been a huge benefit for me in operating in this brave new world <laughs> of the internet. So thanks so much again for that, Elizabeth and Colleen and all the other members of the, the Women's Caucus. Thank you. It's wonderful to have this time with you. Yes. Thank you, Jonathan. It was great to get to experience this great podcast that you've been telling us about. <laughs> okay. Well, you've added to it and that's, that's great. We're so happy that you'll be part of it. And thank you to you, listeners, for being part of Seekers and Scholars and this episode on Women in Religion on Wikipedia. We're always happy to hear from you, so please feel free to be in touch with us at podcasts at mbelibrary.org with your thoughts, questions, suggestions. Again, that email address is podcast at mbelibrary.org. And please join us for our next episode when we visit with members of the Mary Baker Eddy Papers editorial and research team to learn about what they are discovering through documents in our collections about Mary Baker Eddy and the Christian Science Movement during the 1880s. I'm Jonathan Eder. Thank you for listening to Seekers and Scholars. This podcast is produced by the Mary Baker Eddy Library, copyright 2020.